0: Brought to you by PrayLatin.com, makers of prayer cards featuring complete English phonetic renderings of Latin pronunciations. There has been a lot of speculation about what the purpose of Francis's new proprio, Traditionis Custodis, really is. What its purpose really is. The thing about this document is this. It's all laid out right in the document for anyone with eyes to see to discern what its intention is. In the words of Cardinal Pietro Perolin, the former Cardinal Secretary of State who recently said that the ancient Latin Mass must end, despite it being rooted in the ancient earliest days of the Church. That is the purpose of Francis's document, to end the last vestiges of the Preconciliar Church and faith, and to have all of us embrace modernism. Let's dive into this for a closer look, because once we accept the truth of the matter, the purpose becomes all the more clear. One of the things that has become clear the more I read Traditionis Custodis, or Guardians of Tradition, as the English translation should read, is that there is an underlying purpose to this document, and no, it ain't the unity of the Church, because, if anything, this document has shattered unity. Or maybe in a weird way, it has helped bolster unity, just not in the way that the Pacapapa papa intended. Many Catholics from across the ideological spectrum have called out the pack papas modo proprio for its cruelty and its utter disregard for the real problems in the Church, which are not even addressed in the document while going after faithful Catholics who are trying to live a life according to the gospel message of our Lord and of Holy Mother Church. And there is no better example of this than what Cardinal Zen said recently in a short statement. I have it in full for you here, and it gives a hint at what the purpose is of the document, Note how he says that he was never asked about his opinion on the Latin Mass when this survey went out, and it makes you wonder if other bishops were left out of this besides him. And a quick note, some of the translation is clunky for the usual reasons, and so I have to sort of wing it a little bit to make it more clear what he is saying while being accurate, and I promise you I have not changed his meaning in any way. Anyway, Cardinal Zen says mostly, quote, Why do they see problem where there is none? and close their eyes to the problem, for which they are also responsible. Concerns about a breezy document against the Tridentine Mass have come true, and the blow has been no less severe than expected. Many tendentious generalizations in the document hurt the hearts of so many good people more than expected, who never give the slightest cause to be suspected of not accepting the liturgical reform of the Council, much less not accepting the Council to court. Moreover, they remain active members in their parishes. It came as a bitter surprise to me personally that the extensive consultation did not reach me, a cardinal and already a member of the Congregation for Divine Worship and the Discipline of the Sacraments. During the years 2007-2009, to Then I was bishop of my diocese and therefore responsible for the implementation of Samorum Pontificum, and until now a well-known supporter of the group. Not having known either the questionnaire or the responses to the questionnaire, I cannot judge, but only suspect that there was much misunderstanding, or perhaps even manipulation, in the process. As I read the two documents, I noticed, one, an incredible ease, or tendentiousness, in linking the desire to use the vitus retus to the non-acceptance of the retus novus, and two, in associating the non-acceptance of the liturgical reform, which often concerns the way in which it was carried out with its many serious misuses, and a total and profound rejection of the Council itself, for the proponents of this rejection, the diversity of the right of the Mass is but a small cor- corollary, so much so that the concession regarding the right did not reverse the schism. The Vatican authorities should ask themselves, and perhaps even make a thorough investigation, why the persistence, and perhaps recent worsening, of the second phenomenon? The problem is not, which right do people prefer, but it is, why don't they go to Mass anymore? Certain surveys show that half of the Christian population in Europe no longer believes in the real presence of Jesus in the Eucharist, no longer believes in eternal life. Certainly we do not blame the liturgical reform, but we just want to say that the problem is much deeper, we cannot evade the question. Has not the formation of faith been lacking? Has not the great work of the Council been wasted? Isn't the root of evil that attitude of believing that everything can now be changed? Is it not that attitude of believing that this council cancels out all previous ones, and that the Tridentine council is like the dirt accumulated on the fresco of the Sistine Chapel, as a liturgist in our diocese put it? The document obviously sees not only disturbances in the execution of Samoran pontificum, but considers the very existence of a parallel right to be an evil. Don't paragraphs, subsections 5 and 6 of articles 3, article 4 and 5, clearly wish... For the end of these groups, but even with that, can't the anti-Ratzinger gentleman of the Vatican be patient with the Tridentine Mass? Wait instead for the venerable Pope Emeritus to pass away. Now consider what he said there, and then something that a listener said about this document on Twitter makes a lot of sense, at least to me, because. They couldn't simply wait for Benedict XVI to move on to his eternal reward. No, time is ticking, and not only because of Francis's recent trip to have procedures done that show that his time on earth is probably coming to a close, but for more obvious reasons. There had to be another reason behind all of this, because as Cardinal Zen says, the faith is withering in much of the world, and most Catholics don't even understand or believe in the real presence of our Lord in the Eucharist anymore. And given that the Latin Mass and TLM-goers accepting the at best questionable changes implemented by Vatican II is what they're focusing on, you'd have to think something else is going on, and there is, which can be revealed in a closer read of the points of the document *Traditionis Custodes. So yeah, I'm just going to read this string of tweets because I don't think I have anything to add to this. The more I read *Traditionis Custodes, the more I see Schism. 1. Read the book and articles only. 2. Article 1 establishes its supremacy of the Novus Ordo. Article 3, subsection 1 forces the bishop to determine if trads disagree. Article 3, subsection 4 appoints a priest whose job is to get you back to the Novus Ordo. This priest should be animated by a lively pastoral charity and by a sense of ecclesial communion. This priest should have at heart not only the correct celebration of the liturgy, but also the pastoral and spiritual care of the faithful. Article 1 tells us which liturgy is correct, so we can assume that the pastoral and spiritual care of Article 3 subsection 2 translates to a priest actively undermining our ancestral liturgy and compelling us to seek unity with the Novus Ordo, you know, for our spiritual well-being. Article 3 subsection 5, parishes canonically erected for the benefit of these faithful are effective for their spiritual growth, reads like a spiritual rebuilding facility to get you back into the N.O., Spiritual growth in Francis' eyes are not the same as spiritual growth in hashtag eyes. Article 3 subsection 6 prevents dissent. Article 8 puts you in a schism if you cannot be successfully rebuilt in ecclesial communion with the now established Novus Ordo. And here he he quotes some actual segments of the document itself. Article 1, the liturgical books promulgated by St. Paul VI and St. John Paul II in conformity with the decrees of Vatican Council II are the unique expression of the lex Rondi of the Roman Rite. Article 8. Previous norms, instructions, permissions, and customs that do not conform to the provisions of the present modu proprio are abrogated. Everything that I have declared in this apostolic letter in the form of modu proprio, I order to be observed in all its parts, anything else to the contrary notwithstanding, even if worthy of a particular mention, and I establish that it be promulgated by way of publication of Servitor Romano, etc. In other words, the whole thrust of the document is to corral traditional Catholics into places where we cannot undermine the work of the Novus Ordo. Not just the Novus Ordo Missae, but of the Novus Ordo itself, the building of a new Catholicism. That has little to do with the ancient faith that we are told has no bearing in reality for the Church or the world today. There are public Catholics doing the rounds and going on shows saying other things that basically mean in their eyes that we must accept the changes made of Vatican II, changes that demonstrably are out of step with what the Church taught before on a variety of issues. The number of anathematizing statements from Trent, That we are told just don't apply anymore is rather staggering, one of which is that anyone who says that the mass must be said in the vernacular is anathema, meaning excommunicated. That's just one of many. The syllabus of errors of Pius IX has numerous statements in it that have been accepted by the institutions of the Church after the Council barely a century after the publishing of the syllabus of errors, and no, no hermeneutic of continuity will ever make the divergent statements work together. We are being herded into places for our Masses in the short term temporarily so that Francis or his handpicked successor can end the traditional Latin Mass. Because the traditional liturgy and the things typically said by the priest in their homilies, well, let's just say they make it clear for people who wander in, who come searching out what the Latin Mass is all about, that they've heard about, so much about, it makes clear for them that there's something really strange going on in the Church and has been for decades now. And the aim of all this is to sort of push it off to the side so it doesn't undermine the building of the ape of the church. Elsewhere, the document explicitly states that we will eventually return to the so-called one expression of the Roman Rite of Liturgy. It's absurd. But that's what the whole point is. They're going to end the Latin Mass formally. That's one of the purposes of this. Now, thankfully, most bishops seem to be ignoring it. Citing Canon 87 of the Code of Canon Law, which gives the bishops the authority To just ignore these sorts of things, fueled by the sentiment expressed by Cardinal Burke over the weekend, where he said basically that the motu proprio was nonsense and full of factual errors, with the implication being that we should not heed it at all. We being in this case not just the lady, but presumably the bishops. He makes a point that most have not seen or made anywhere, that the motu proprio will end the existence of the FSSP, an institute of Christ the King, and other groups by putting them under the authority of the Congregation for the Institutes of Consecrated Life and Apostolic Life which is the group Francis used to end numerous traditional religious orders who are dedicated to the Preconciliar and traditional faith. He never explicitly, meaning Cardinal Burke, never explicitly says Francis is going to end those groups, but it's very clear. Quote, Article 6 of the motu Proprio transfers the competence of the Institutes of Consecrated Life and Societies of Apostolic Life devoted to the Ursus Antiquor to the Congregation for Institutes of Consecrated Life and Societies of Apostolic Life. The observance of the Ursus Antiquor belongs to the very heart of the charism of these institutes and societies. While the congregation is competent to respond to questions regarding the canon law for such institutes and societies, it is not competent to alter their charism and constitutions in order to hasten the seemingly desired elimination of the Ursus Antiquor in the Church. Quote. The Ursus Antiquor, for those who aren't familiar with the term, is another name for the traditional Latin Mass. Cardinal Burke tells us that numerous faithful have been nourished by the traditional liturgy and sacraments, and that it has been a source of unity in the church, not division. That, of course, assumes that unity is what matters in this case to Francis. It isn't unity for its own sake, but unity and acceptance of the new theology, the new faith, promulgated at the council made really come alive in Francis's work. The error many are taking is that they are taking this document in isolation. You have to read it in the continuity with the rest of his work with C, with Amoris Laetitia, with the Declaration of Fraternity he signed in 2019, with the Amazon Synod document, Fratelli Tutti, and the rest of it. And yes, with his book that for some reason people get really kind of upset at me when I put on the screen, but I'm going to do it again here anyway, for those watching on YouTube and not on an audio-only side, and that book is The Great Reformer. Get a copy of it, it's the biography of him, but only of the first edition. The (laughs) later editions were softened a little bit, because the first edition told you a lot about him. Read all those together, and then you get the big picture. And you, We have no duty to follow his desires in this modo proprio once you get the bigger picture. If you want to read anything I've got here for yourself, all of it is linked in today's show notes. I return to Tradition.org. That's the name of this podcast with a .org at the end. I don't think this story and the implications of Francis trying to end the Latin Mass is going to go away anytime soon. And the remaining question is this. Numerous bishops basically disobeyed Francis on this, as I went over on Friday. What will the Vatican do to respond? Because a response is coming. Mark my words. Until then, pray for the Church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.